0: Hello everybody! Welcome back to the show. My guest today is Jim Al-Khalili. He's a professor of theoretical physics at the University of Surrey, a broadcaster, and an author. Trying to describe reality in theoretical frameworks is no small task for physicists. But it also turns out that the implications of some theories suggests that reality might be even more bizarre than it seems. The universe is a scary, confusing place to exist. If we exist at all. Expect to learn why you can't walk through brick walls, why a tiny imbalance in the matter and antimatter just after the Big Bang was very important, just how fine-tuned for life our universe really is, where all the big discoveries in theoretical physics have gone, why faster-than-light neutrinos can't go faster than light, why you shouldn't value opinions over evidence, and much more. I love talking about physics. Neil deGrasse Tyson last week was great. And Jim is another awesome science communicator. Getting to nerd out about this stuff is endlessly interesting to me. So you're coming along for the ride. Okay, we're blasting off. Elon's bothered with Twitter and I'm saving space. I'm going to focus everyone's attention back onto space because I'm bringing physicists on Modern Wisdom and that. In other news, this episode is brought to you by Upgraded Formulas. If you spend a lot on supplements each month, then you've probably considered just what impact all of that extra input is having on your performance. It'd be great if you knew what you were absorbing, not absorbing, and what you were having too much of. Upgraded Formulas is a way to accurately test all of that, because you can't be a good biohacker without actually working out what's going on inside of your body. Upgraded formulas, hair test kit and consultation helps you to work out exactly what's going on inside of your body and vanquish any hidden deficiencies that might be affecting you. Also, it just takes a hair mineral analysis. It is super easy to do. All that you do is literally send in a hair sample and they will send you back a list of exactly what is going on. Plus their consultation will help you to work out how you can change what the problems are and improve your health long term. You can check out the test and the consultation by going to upgradedformulas.com and save 15% on your first test with the code MW15 at checkout. That's upgradedformulas.com and the code MW15 at checkout. In other other news, this episode is brought to you by Crafted London. If you are a guy that is looking to get some jewelry, the first place that you need to look is Crafted London. They have the best pieces: necklaces, chains, pendants, bracelets, rings, and earrings. The designs are really cool they're subtle. you can wear them with smart stuff, you can wear them with casual stuff they're sweatproof, waterproof, heat proof, gym proof, and they come in custom designs with gold and silver colors they're over half a million happy customers worldwide. And there is a lifetime guarantee, so no matter what happens, they will replace your piece for free for the rest of time. They hold stock in the UK and in the USA, plus they ship internationally. So no matter where you are, you can get this direct to your door and you can get a 15% discount site-wide off everything that they make by going to bit.ly slash cdwisdom, the code mw 15 For that 15% discount, go and check out the full range. You can see everything that they sell, bit.ly slash cdwisdom and mw15 at checkout. And in final news, this episode is brought to you by Surfshark VPN. Protect your browsing online and get access to the entire world's Netflix library for less than the price of a cup of coffee per month. You do not want websites to be tracking your data or your internet service provider to be selling where you've been going to advertisers or for you to be split tested on prices for products that you are already buying. And every website is doing this. Skyscanner is doing it and Amazon's doing it. Also, if you're already paying for a Netflix membership, why not pay an extra £1.59 per month to 10x the amount of stuff that you have access to? You can use Surfshark on your TV, on your laptop, on your iPad even on your phone, and you can have it across unlimited devices. It is super easy to download, super easy to use. It is one touch of a button. It doesn't slow down your internet speed and it protects your browsing and you've got all of that extra access on all of your streaming services to a whole new library of wonderful stuff that you can watch. Go to surfshark.deals slash modernwisdom for 83% off, three months free and a 30-day money-back guarantee. So you can buy it and try it for 29 days. And if you do not like it, They will give you your money back. surfshark.deals slash modernwisdom But now, ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Jim Al-Khalili. What was
1: Keats's problem with Newton? Uh, he didn't I mean, I guess he didn't like science. He didn't like that Newton had destroyed the beauty of the rainbow. He said, "You've reduced it to its prismatic colors." You know, Newton's work on you know the prism and, and all the different colors of the rainbow. So as far as Keats was concerned, the rainbow was beautiful in and of itself. Uh, But if you try and explain it scientifically, somehow that makes it cold and and rational or hard and no longer beautiful. And of course, Keats was wrong. Is there
0: not an element of that, that mystery and suspense and a lack of uh, understanding about something sort of adds a bit of magic? Or do you think that
1: understanding it enhances it even more? Well, no, I know. I agree. I mean, absolutely. It's it's you know the anticipating what you've got for Christmas as a kid, you know, and the presents that yet to be unwrapped. Once you've unwrapped them, yeah, you know, you're happy you've got what you wanted. But it's sort of from then on, it's sort of downhill, right? So, so yeah, the mystery, the anticipation is, you know, part part of the the, the pleasures of 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 life. But you get that in science as well. The you know. Even in science, the 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 the, the excitement, the the uh, the pleasure that we derive in doing scientific research is the journey. it's the it's the trying to solve the mystery. Once we've solved the mystery, once we've discovered you know the Higgs boson or gravitational waves, it's, eh, okay, tick that box, move on to something else. So I think it it applies in science as well as not in science. Science isn't about reducing everything to cold, hard facts, and then you know that's it. the, the hard rationalism, is no longer no i mean science can be spiritual science can be uplifting and, and wondrous as well
0: i noticed that you've sort of hinted there at a scientific version of hedonic adaptation where you are chasing after the higgs boson and you're chasing after it and chasing after it and you build this big thing and it's underneath switzerland and somewhere else and then you find it and then you go right okay we've done that now what what are we going to discover next so it's scientific adaptation
1: it, it, it is a bit like that. I mean, I should say, of course, those scientists and engineers who built the Large Hadron Collider and 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 spent decades, you know, designing and preparing for this experiment and finally, you know, getting the data, of course, they wanted to find the Higgs boson. Otherwise, you know, they're, you know, you, what, you've spent how many billions of dollars building this thing? and So they want, but for the rest of us, it would have been more exciting had they not discovered it, because that would have meant... There's new stuff to discover. It, it, our current theory is 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 uh, missing something. Back to the drawing boards, potential Nobel Prizes. We don't want... We try to find the answers. We try to seek the truth. But we sort of don't want it to come to an end.
0: Is dark matter and dark energy at the moment a, a big um, element of that, that we have this stuff that kind of theoretically needs to be there and yet no one can find any evidence for it?
1: Yeah, well, I mean, it's probably not fair to say we don't have evidence for it. We have evidence, so we know it's there. We just don't understand its origin, what it's made of and so on. I, um, there's, there was a, um, an article written by Stephen Hawking about 40 years ago where he said, you know, is the end in sight for theoretical physics? So he was suggesting that you just need to dot some I's, cross some T's, and we'll have a theory of everything explaining all physical phenomena in the universe. At the time, they were just starting to think about super string theory, this new mathematically powerful theory that describes all the, the, the forces of nature. And they thought they were nearly there. And of course, it turns out, well, not that string theory is wrong, but there's, there's plenty more we have yet to understand. We're further away from a theory of everything than, than we thought. Dark matter we know is there. We, we can see its gravitational pull. It's, invi- I mean, a better name for the for it would have been invisible matter or transparent matter. We know it's there because it has a gravitational pull like all types of matter. It, it, it can attract things towards it. It holds galaxies together and so on. We just don't know what it's made of. And that's frustrating. It's a fun kind of frustration, but it's a frustration nevertheless. Dark energy is similarly, it's something that's making the universe, making space expand ever more quickly Uh, so we know that's happening because you can see distant galaxies moving away faster and faster and faster but we don't know what it is that's causing that anti-gravity push of everything away from from everything else so we're a long way from having all the answers and that's good that keeps us in work am i
0: right in saying that the ratio of dark matter to physical matter is actually in the it's swayed toward dark matter as well.
1: Yeah, I think it's something like five to one or something like that. I think yeah, there's there's much more dark matter than the, visible, so that we can't interact with. It's so the, wild. Yeah. I, I read um the five
0: stages of the universe, which is the really really interesting book, and they said that um during the Big Bang there were almost exactly equal parts of matter and antimatter. I mm. think it was. Um, 1 million to 1 million and 1 in the particles, but the 1 was matter rather than antimatter. And that 1 out of every 1 million versus 1 million and 1 ratio, that's all the matter that's left in the universe. Dude, that blew my mind.
1: Because everything else cancels out.
0: Exactly. But you think, (laughs) okay, so how much more matter could there have been? Well, a
1: million times more yeah well, you can sort, you can probably work out how much more matter is, because that matter and antimatter annihilated to form energy, uh, and and so we can measure the, the how much energy there is in, in the in the universe as well. But the the real puzzle is, why was it a million and one versus a million? Why weren't they exactly balanced equal and opposite? That asymmetry, but the imbalance between them, that's another big outstanding puzzle in physics.
0: What's your thoughts about the fine-tuned universe? You've mentioned there about dark energy, and mm. I think is that the cosmological constant? Is that what dark energy causes?
1: Yes, that's that's the the consensus is growing that that's what dark energy is.
0: Okay, and that is so fine the the the, the amount mm. of uh, of push that that causes for mm. galaxies to move apart ever so slightly, and I think the fine-tuned universe theory is that you have all of these different constants and the strong and weak forces and any one of them a knife edge either way would completely ruin the rest of them and wouldn't permit matter to exist the way it does what's your what's your thoughts about the fine-tuned universe
1: well i i I mean obviously we there could be an underlying reason why these physical quantities have the values that they do i mean it's thank goodness they do or we wouldn't be here talking about it um the the lazy explanation, but is still sort of appealing for most people, is that our universe isn't unique. That um, our universe is just a bubble within a higher dimensional multiverse in which every possible universe exists. And so there be lots of other universes in which the constants of physics have different values. And those universes, won't have evolved to, to develop galaxies and stars and planets and and, and life in, in at least one place. Um, and so we are the lottery ticket winners. You know, it's not fine-tuned, just that one universe had to have the right combination of constants to give rise to the structure that we see. So it's not surprising. You know, the lottery ticket winner, how? It's so unlikely, you know, that I've won the, the ticket. Well, somebody had to win it, and it's you. You know, it's us. Is, that,
0: is that the... Is that called the observation selection effect?
1: I think that's the reason... I think, I think yes, I think it's, 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 it's... People talk about it as being the anthropic principle, but yes, the observation selection. Effect, I think I've, I've, I've vaguely heard I of that think term. That
0: that's, I think that's right, because the, the point is um, the only universe in which... You could consider the fact that you were lucky to have been in a fine-tuned universe is the one that was fine-tuned you for were, you, yeah. anyway. So exactly. you kind of—it's kind of like begging the question a
1: little it's, bit, I suppose. It's—it's it's a circular argument. How, you know, yes. How else? How could it have been anything else? Otherwise, we wouldn't be here to to talk about it. Yeah.
0: Yes, precisely. So it seems to me that science has gotten a bit of a, a bad rap over the last few years. There's pretty much no subject area where scientists and researchers aren't treated with um, aggressive skepticism, if not outright contempt, uh, at least by some areas of the general public. Have you noticed this trend recently as well?
1: I think there's always been anti-science sentiments from people either who are suspicious of it for whatever ideological reason, you know, or cultural reason or religious reason. Um, And then there's, you know, people who, you know, you you have your own biases and your own worldview and you don't like anything that goes against that. And of course, this, this we, the, as humans, we've always had this problem, this issue, but of course, it's been amplified by the Internet and social media. And so that, that's democratized the voices of everyone on the planet. And therefore, you know, we are hearing every possible argument for or against. I don't know whether there are more people who are anti-science now. I just think they tend to shout more loudly. Uh, and and they do have a voice now whereas in the past maybe they didn't so we tend to think things are worse than they probably are
0: yeah isn't that interesting that um no one would no one would criticize the fact that everyone's uh egalitarian ability to talk online to communicate their ideas you know universal good pretty much everybody would would probably say that but the problem is um, in the past, the only people that were able to get a platform to be able to reach a million people instantly were those that had very slowly over time proven their worth of being somebody yeah. that could reach a million people. Whereas now, yeah. you know, you take the right video of your cat and yeah. there you go, there's a, <laughs> there's a million views.
1: Yeah, I mean, there's good and bad about social media and, and, and YouTube and so on, you know. say It's democratized our voices, so, it's, so we're not just fed the information from the 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 powerful or those with vested interests um also i mean i i love twitter you know because i follow the right organizations and people that are give, going to give me the news that uh, that i i'm going to find interesting but yeah it has meant that everyone has a say now the the the, the difficulty that many people have is how do you discriminate from those who've earned their stripes who know what they're talking about who have the expertise because they spent years studying thinking reflecting on uh, what they what they're telling you and those who who, it's just mere opinion and sort of ideal ideology Um, it's difficult for the average person to have to dig in and investigate where is this information coming from is this from a trustworthy source what is is this is this evidence valid Uh, and and so uh, it's still something we're struggling with as a society, how, how to cope with so much information coming at us all the time.
0: Yeah, well, increasingly the value or the, the, the smartest people are the ones that are the most discriminating now, you know? Yeah. You have to be, because there is way more noise than signal on the yeah. internet. Um, and again, this is, <laughs> I'm not advocating for uh, removing everyone's Twitter accounts, but it's definitely easier if the only people that have voices are people that have earned to have voices, then it means that you don't need to be as discriminating with what you no. read because you've, the, the gatekeeping's already been done yeah, yeah, on absolutely. the front end rather than the back end.
1: Yeah, and, and no, you're right. It is, and and, and this is what's leading to sort of the polarization of so many views and opinions on, on online. Those people who know enough about a particular issue also probably know where the weaknesses are in their arguments, also know what they don't know. And also, they're probably less prepared to get into a shouting, point-scoring match, and so they tend to retreat and they just leave that forum for the two extremes that are just lobbing missiles at each other. Um, I mean, one of them may be more right than the other, one of them may, (laughs) but but it's it's led to this, you know, black and white, no room for nuance, no room for someone to say, well, you know, you've got a point. But you've also got a point. Uh, you can't say that. Look, if you're not 100% with me, you're against me. And and the people who know about a subject know that it's, it's more complicated than that. And so because they're not prepared to say, I am 100% on one side or the other, they retreat. And, of course, that's, that's the danger. Then you, you've left it just to the extremes.
0: Yes. Yeah, the, there's a f- so many interesting things here. One of them being that, um, especially on the Internet, any acceptance of either a lack of understanding or a lack of knowledge on your part, which would be, uh, I guess, like intellectual humility, um, or a concession around somebody else's point, even if it's not all of it, but a little bit of it. Mm. That's seen as a uh, weakness from the opposing side and a lack of commitment from the most extreme people on your own side.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's something we've seen all along in, in politics, for example. You know, a politician will not admit a mistake or not or they won't admit that they were wrong about something uh, or very rarely anyway um, and, it, and it's also so so far removed from the way we do science you know in science admitting your mistakes is a strength it's it shows that you are doing good science that you're prepared to say well I thought that now I think this but you're right you know In 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 so many Parts of wider society that is seen as a weakness. You know, when scientists have said at the early days of the pandemic, uh, in order to protect yourself from the virus, you just have to wash your hands. You know, and, uh, I guess you you might know, Chris, that in the UK we the, the mantra was wash your hands while singing Happy Birthday twice over.
0: And oh, I didn't up- hear that. No, thankfully, oh, right. yeah. thankfully, was- I was saved from that atrocious <laughs> that was the thing. suggestion. App-
1: apparently, that was the way to tell the you know the the the, the, the stupid public that you need to spend a good few seconds washing your hands thoroughly. Sing happy birthday through twice, and that's enough. Ridiculous notion. But anyway, a few months later, of course, we discover that the virus is mostly transmitted through aerosols, through the air, uh, and then what you, you best do is make sure you're in ventilated rooms, open windows, social distancing, masks, and so on. And a lot of people said, oh, hang on a minute. You told us we just had to wash our hands and we'd be protected. Now you're telling us this. You know nothing. I don't believe anything, therefore, you say the problem is not understanding how science works that science can you know you can only base your ideas and your views and your hypotheses and theories on the evidence and observations that you have available at that time with more data coming in you learn more and that may mean you have to change your mind it may mean you you are more confident on, on about your hypothesis but it also may mean that you were wrong um getting that message across and and maybe exporting it to wider discourse in society i think would be a, a, absolutely beneficial for for it to be so if you if you are in an argument with someone and say actually no i think you've got a good point there uh, i think i was wrong about that i i now understand where you're coming from for that not to be seen as a concession as a weakness would be wonderful but i mean that may require changing human nature which
0: is yeah maybe it might be a bit much but I, I, there's definitely some low resolution thinking going on here yeah. um and i do think that it's in big part due to people wanting uh, simplistic answers as a solution to a world which is becoming ever more complex and difficult to discern so you yeah. say uh, science unlike politics is not an ideology or belief system it is a process but people say trust in science like they say trust in god and mm. then when you have something that occurs like, you know, in the, the, the start of COVID, the people in power really didn't make a good showing of looking like competent human beings. And neither mm. did some of the researchers either. So you go, mm. okay, um, you don't know what you're talking about. But the the point is, at what point do you now accept that that was maybe bound within one type of of issue maybe it was bound at that particular time with how much information they had maybe they mm. don't actually know maybe covid is a little bit too complicated for them to actually fully understand what's going on maybe it's pandemics overall maybe it's the entire mm. scientific method and this is the slippery slope where people kind of get co-opted in with some like easy gateway drug that you know they that, that they didn't know what they were talking about to do with masks and before you know it some people with certain thought patterns can be flat Earth lizard peopling around the world, and it, I, I understand the compulsion to do that. And I'm just wondering about how you put a, a a pattern interruption in to stop single or or um isolated cases of scientific negligence, malfeasance, ignorance, mm. stupidity, mistake, whatever, um, cascading down into something that's a bit more serious.
1: Yeah I mean it was difficult with the pandemic I guess because everyone was so scared in the early days and those scientists the epidemiologists and uh, and those who were you know trying to sort of study and, and give advice on how we should behave uh, uh, one can argue overreacted but that overreaction was understandable given how frightening well i mean what do you want to
0: do you want want to underreact like in a world where you don't have all of the information about a potential world-ending pandemic do you want people do you want the scientists to underreact this is something that no one really ever says you're like look maybe maybe being locked down in houses was an overreaction maybe the masking maybe the social distancing maybe that you can't see grandma and people dying in hospitals and Mm. stuff like that and maybe it was um held on for too long maybe it was too conservative and their uh priors should have been updated but in the first instance you say well is it a is it totalitarian overreach from a government that's trying to take away your rights and prove or is it just that the people in power didn't know how bad it was going to be and they didn't yeah, want people to die yeah.
1: and 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 you know there's a lot to be said for the precautionary principle you know if you are not sure about a particular course of action, but not doing it could potentially be catastrophic. Then you better do it just in case. You know, if your doctor tells you there's a there's a sixty percent chance that if you don't give up smoking, drinking, or change your diet, you know, you'll be dead next year. You don't think sixty percent? Come on, that's almost fifty fifty. You know, I I'm not going to give up. You know see, oh, that's enough. It, you may be wrong there's a 40 percent chance you're wrong but just in case i'm gonna do something so i think the precautionary principle m- means that lower levels of confidence in in our understanding are allowed if the the results the repercussions of not doing anything are greater uh, and i think that's what what happened with the, you know uh, the the similar sort of thing is 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 facing us with climate change that you know we're not 100 sure that we humans are destroying the planet but the evidence is accumulating all the time and it's it's more the point that if we don't do anything and we and and we're right then well we've we, we've lost uh so let's hope we're wrong but just in case we do something about it so i think it's inevitable that people will will have come in hard with something as unknown uh, uh, in in terms of what it could do to to humanity as the pandemic in the early days
0: What's the story about faster-than-light neutrinos?
1: Right. So in in my book, in The Joy of Science, I talk about the, how science can... we, As scientists, we can never be certain that something is right. We always have to say there's a possibility that the sun won't rise tomorrow or you know that the our particular understanding about something is isn't right and we've missed something but there are levels of confidence there are d- confidence there are degrees of of uh, of confidence that our ideas and notions are right and you get to the point where you say there's certain things that are you know we we are very very sure about N- near 100% certain but never quite Uh, And one of those, I use this example from physics, that Einstein tells us in his special theory of relativity, that um, the speed of light is the fastest possible speed in our universe. That it's basically woven into the fabric of space and time. It's not just a number that Einstein plucked out of the air, why not something a little bit faster. That is, that's the maximum speed possible in our universe, and light happens to be able to travel at that maximum speed. Well. We're all confident about this. Um, A decade or so ago, there was an experiment where particles called neutrinos were produced at CERN in Geneva. And these particles are very light. They are very weakly interacting with the rest of matter. That means that they can travel through matter, through the earth itself, as though the earth isn't there because they're not bumping into anything. They don't do much bumping. And so the, the beam of these neutrinos was fired in a straight line from Geneva to this mountain in Italy uh, um, where there's a a laboratory, the Grand Sasso Laboratory uh, under a mountain in Italy. So because of the curvature of the Earth, they are actually traveling slightly uh, underground to to follow directly a straight line. The experimentalists who captured, they managed to capture a few of these particles at the other end and they measured because they knew the distance precisely, they knew the timing of start and finish, they calculated they had got there by traveling slightly faster than the speed of light and uh, you know there it's so a press release and and uh, you know the, the world media was excited they to their credit the scientists said tell us where we've gone wrong because this is crazy you know but most physicists including myself didn't believe it we said no we are so confident you know we're not certain Einstein could be wrong but we're so confident that the speed of light cannot be exceeded there must be something wrong with these results and, and you know what and you know some people said oh see this is you know you arrogant scientists you you, you think you know it all and we say well look no no we, in fact, it'll be great in fact if we can if these neutrinos travel faster light, that means our, our understanding of physics would be wrong we have to rewrite the, the laws of physics chances are we, we, it's, it's wrong, because so many other experiments that confirm the speed of light being the maximum, they'd have had to have been explained away somehow. I, on Twitter, I said, if, I, if the speed of light really is exceeded by these neutrinos, then I will eat my boxer shorts live on TV. And forgetting that there are journalists who follow me on Twitter, and so before I knew it, I found myself on on BBC News one evening, where they interviewed me about about this, and I I had to repeat this thing about box. So I had to go through this really embarrassing, you know, pretending I I, I knew it a day in advance. So I so I I had a, a spare pair of shorts with me, so I had this made made this sort of act of you know sort of and then pulling out my boxer and they said that would make great telly so I believe them Um, and I was getting you know recipes people saying how to cook your boy you know what dressings to put to if you cook your boxer shots anyway it turned out that I can't remember how much later but the experimentalists in Italy realized they there was a loose connection behind one of the timing devices in in their instrumentation and if that was clicked into place properly suddenly the timing between start and finish was different. And in fact, these particles traveled slower than the speed of light. So Einstein lives to fight another day. So I just use this as an example that you know extraordinary claims need extraordinary evidence. You can't dismiss something like Einstein's theory of relativity just because you know, you've got an idea or because you've carried out one test. There's a, there's a, a lot has gone in to try and knock Einstein's theory of relativity off its pedestal and we want to, we want to knock it down because that means there's more for us to discover and yet it has survived. And so gradually, because we've tried to disprove it and we haven't been able to, we gain more and more trust in it. And that's when we talk about, we have a theory in science that we all trust. It could be Einstein's theory, it could be Darwinian evolution, it could be plate tectonics, it could be the germ theory of disease, We are so confident that they're right; they might as well be facts. That doesn't mean we are certain. It's just highly unlikely that we're wrong.
0: Explain to me how something can pass through the Earth, like a neutrino.
1: What's happening there? Well, matter is ultimately mostly empty space. So you know, the Earth is 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 made of minerals and you know um, various compounds involving you know silicon and and, uh, oxygen and so on ultimately down at the atomic scale these are individual atoms and individual atoms are a tiny nucleus with electrons buzzing around the outside but most 99.99% of the volume of the atom is just empty space so when I slam my hand down on my desk which you can't see it's just out of a shot but I'm sure you can imagine the reason it comes to a stop is not because solid matter has hit solid matter it's because the electrons in the atoms on the surface of my hand are feeling the electric repulsion negative charge of the electrons in the in the atoms in the surface of the desk and it's electromagnetic repulsion that is giving matter this sense of solidity that's why you can't walk through brick walls but if you turned off electromagnetism then there's nothing to stop those electrons from passing through and that's what neutrinos are doing, they have no electric charge, they are electrically neutral and so they don't feel The electromagnetic force they feel what's called the the weak nuclear force there are two forces that operate inside atomic nuclei and that's the only way neutrinos can interact with matter of course there's also the force of gravity but the neutrino is as near as damn it massless it doesn't have any mass at all so forget gravity pulling it one way or the other so it travels through the earth zipping through the empty space through all the atoms and only if it were to interact directly with say an electron or within the the atomic nucleus will it be stopped in its tracks which is highly unlikely
0: that is wild that's <laughs> so wild talk to me we've mentioned about uh, about string theory uh, uh, and general relativity at the moment can you explain what the challenge is of coming up with a, a grand unified theory at the moment why, why why can't we get things to fit together
1: Yeah. I mean, uh, usually in physics, when we talk about a grand unified theory, we tend to mean a theory that still excludes gravity. So it's a theory that encompasses the other three forces that we do have theories for, uh, the electromagnetic force and the two nuclear forces. Um, You don't have one for gravity at the moment? We have a theory for gravity, which is Einstein's general theory of relativity. But it's a very different kind of construct, it's a theory about the curvature of space-time. It's not a theory of of subatomic particles bumping into each other, or a, a theory of the quantum world. And so, when we talk about grand unified theory, what we mean is one theory that covers all the building blocks of matter down at the the subatomic scale, but without the force of gravity. When we bring gravity in, we start talking about a theory of everything.
0: Okay, that's what I meant. Or, What's yeah, the problem yeah, with yeah, doing exactly.
1: that? So, um. Quantum mechanics has been tremendously successful in explaining the, the microscopic world. Uh, uh, you know, we have now well, quantum mechanics developed in the 1920s, then evolved into what we call quantum field theory. Quantum field theory explains all the interactions of matter and light and, and you know, the, 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 the building blocks of, of atoms beautifully. But gravity is the odd one out and you know gravity on the cosmic scale gravity is the, is is the daddy you know it's it's the most important um phenomenon um, it shapes the structure of the entire universe but you bring it down to the level of atoms and gravity is much much weaker you know two electrons will repel each other because of their negative charge but they have masses so you might think well don't two masses pull together uh, well, they do, but it's so tiny, it's so weak, it's negligible. So we have Einstein's general theory of relativity, which gives us the structure of, of the cosmos, tells us about the Big Bang, about how the universe is expanding, uh, the structure of galaxies and so on. Uh, it's the, it's our best theory of gravity. It's our best theory of the nature of space and time. But it's very different from the quantum world and the theories describing the quantum world. So we need to unify. We want to unify the theory of the small quantum mechanics and the theory of the large general relativity. But because they're very different structures, we don't know how to mesh them together. And most physicists working in this area say, well, there must be a way of doing it. You know, there, there's, uh, we can think of examples in the physical universe where both theories will apply. For example, inside a black hole um, or just after the Big Bang. Um, but we don't know how to bring them together so that's sort of the holy grail of physics to find a theory of quantum gravity string theory is one of the candidates for such a theory but we don't know for sure if it's right now the physicists working in string theory will say yeah 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 it's pretty much we're pretty sure it's right we're just you know working through the maths there are physicists who are working in other on other potential candidate theories who say, no, string theory is a load of rubbish. Then there are other physicists who, who would argue that too many bright people have devoted their lives to string theory, and all it is is neat maths. Uh, it's, it's, uh, it's very powerful maths, but it's not telling us something about the real world that we live in. And so stop wasting your time, guys, and fund my research because I want to do something that's you know that's not string theory so it's it's a bit of a you know what camp you're in this it's almost like you know ideological views as to you know are you for or against string theory yeah but, you I know had, it's, it's it's interesting i had uh,
0: michio kaku on the show last year and mm. you know it, it, it's interesting hearing somebody that's dedicated so much time to one particular type of theory uh because for all that scientists try and update their priors, and you know their Bayesian agents and all this stuff, you do think, look, man, if you've dedicated a fifty-year career to one particular type of theory, your ability to say, do you know what it is? This this isn't working, guys. We're up to eleven yeah. dimensions. We're kind of wrapping the theory around itself in order to be able to make it fit something to do with the what we're seeing in the real. Is it possible? That the theory of the big and the theory of the small simply don't m- blend together, or would that w- would that be impossible? Do they have to be able to mix?
1: I used to think that that was a possibility. Maybe we just have to live with, you know, the the, the, the you know one will mutual
0: incompatibility
1: yeah. because they because they apply at different scales entirely, and therefore that never the two shall meet, and we don't we never have a scenario where we worry. But you can imagine a situation where you have two electrons, you know, that that we can describe the uh, interaction between them using quantum mechanics, quantum field theory, but electrons have mass, and mass, Einstein's theory of relativity tells us, mass and energy shape space-time. So space-time will also be affected where those two electrons are sitting. So... N- What happens not only has to be described by ultimately by uh, um, quantum mechanics, but we also need to use general relativity to describe the very tiny curvature of space time around those two electrons. Um, It's a tiny, tiny effect that's negligible, but then, but that's a limit. It's happening, it's actually there. it's, It's happening. There must be a theory. That, that incorporates both as an umbrella, both generativity and quantum mechanics. How wild is it that there's
0: something that so many people, so many smart people have dedicated so much time and, and resources yeah. to, and yet you kind of not really got anything that's that compelling. You've got uh, mm. plausible potentials um, and, and not anything that people are up in arms as, yep, there we go, signed, sealed, delivered.
1: Yeah. And a a lot of physicists, you know, until about 10, 20 years ago, a lot of physicists were very um, confident that we that we were nearly there. You know, whether they're working super string theory, M theory, loop quantum gravity, you know, they were quite bullish about the fact that, yeah, you know, this is definitely the right way. It's very powerful. We'll get there. But it has stagnated over the last decade or so. Uh, and and we haven't made the big advances. You know, the 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 last really truly surprising advance in physics was back in 1998 when we discovered dark energy. You know, the the stuff that we've done in the 21st century, confirming the Higgs boson, uh, d- discovering gravitational waves, well, they were both expected. You know, right? they, they they were both ticking a box, confirming what we suspected anyway. So there weren't big surprises. So we are in a situation now where the frustration is growing. At the large hadron collider, they've not discovered any more particles after the Higgs boson. They were hoping to discover a whole host of family of particles called supersymmetric particles. What what are they? Nothing. Well, they would be particles that would help um explain what I was talking about earlier about a grand unified theory that unifies the electromagnetic force, the weak nuclear force, and the strong force into one all-encompassing theory. If you want such a grand unified theory, even before gravity, then you one candidate is, is that that theory has to have this mathematical property called supersymmetry. And if supersymmetry is a, a property of, of our universe, then that means there are supersymmetric particles that, uh, that, are, that they don't hang around very long. They're they're very unstable, but given enough energy in a in a particle accelerator, you can create them for you know fleetingly. And we've we've thought we've had the conditions to create them, and and we've not seen anything. So that's a frustration. Dark matter. We don't know what it's made of yet. We'd have thought we'd have figured that out by now. But experiment after experiment has found no ev- not no evidence because we know it's there, but no evidence of what dark matter consists of. There would have been a nice explanation, which is that dark matter is made of a type of supersymmetric particle, <laughs> which would have been sort of ticked both Super convenient, boxes. yeah. It's very convenient. But, you know, in science, it's not always the convenient. Just because you want something to be right or true doesn't necessarily mean that's going to be so.
0: Who has got the most pressure on them at the moment? Is it the theorists
1: or the experimentalists? Who needs to work their game? Theorists never have pressure. Theorists just, you know, we'll, we'll come up with ideas when I say we only because I'm a theorist, but I don't work on those sort of foundational questions. And, you know, if uh, if there's a suggestion that it's wrong, that some, there's something missing in the maths or an experiment, is driven, fine, we move on. Ah, that was yesterday's theory. there. There are physicists working at the foundations, the very borderline of what we know who very often don't even bother publishing their papers in peer-reviewed journals. They'll write them as preprints, so they stick them up online just as a temporary measure for others in the field to read them, because they know in six months from now they'll have moved on to some other idea. So unfortunately, it is the experimentalists who are dealing with the real world, not with just you know pretty maths, who sadly have to up their game because after all, physics ultimately is an empirical science and it relies on observations and evidence and data. So we've, got, they've just, we've just got to be cleverer as experimentalists to design the experiment that points us in the right direction.
0: What's the next big experiment that's coming? Is there a super large Hadron Collider? Is that happening?
1: There's still talk that that's still something that's in the planning stages, but you know which countries would be involved, what it would actually look like, where it would be built is still something that uh, that is being discussed after the Large Hadron Collider took a couple of decades to be built, and it hasn't you know we haven't reached the end of what it can may be able to deliver. you know maybe upgrading the Large Hadron Collider will be regarded as a much. Cheaper way, and and there'll be reluctance from governments to to fund something that's going to run into the, the many tens of billions of dollars. If you know they look at the Large Hadron Collider and say, "Well, it delivered the Higgs boson, which we sort of knew was going to be there anyway." Um, how can you, uh, you know, promise us lots of new physics with something much bigger? Mm. Um, and, so, what know, is, what
0: is there? Is there is there anything coming up experimentally that's interesting? Any new? I don't know telescopes or detectors. Well,
1: I mean the the big the big excitement at the moment. There are, there are certainly new new um, terrestrial telescopes that are being built, but the big excitement at the moment is the James Webb Space Telescope. So this is the the uh, successor to the Hubble Space Telescope. So the James Webb Telescope has has been launched. is it's it's you know going to be providing us with information about the universe in far greater detail than we've ever had before. Um, It it might tell us something about the the structure of matter, about dark energy. It might tell us, give us some hints as to whether there's a signature of of life on on exoplanets. Um, So a lot of, certainly in in the world of astronomy, a lot of careers uh, are being built on what's going to come from the James Webb Telescope. In, in in particle physics, the other big science in physics, things aren't quite as rosy because, you know, the Large Hadron Collider hasn't, I guess, lived up to its promise. And I'm sure there'll be particle physicists who will hate me for saying that, but viewed from the outside, you know, where the headlines are, that we haven't seen the new breakthroughs and the discovery of new particles that might have led to breakthroughs.
0: What area of research do you wish more funding was put into? What do you think would be an interesting uh, area to have more funding given to?
1: Well, I mean, the area that's exciting and fast-moving at the moment—I guess there is funding going into it—is—is is in in quantum uh, uh, quantum technologies, De- developing quantum uh, uh, devices that rely on the weirder aspects of quantum mechanics now if, and i say weirder quantum mechanics in the sense it's it's by by weird i mean counterintuitive and more profound because of course you know the fact that we are talking recording this this podcast over skype is thanks to quantum mechanics because without quantum mechanics we wouldn't have had any of modern electronics we wouldn't have understood how to uh, the properties of superconductors and chips and 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 and, and so on so the 20th century technologies, everything from lasers to, to, to the start of smartphones, is all thanks to quantum mechanics. Now in the 21st century, we're developing a new generation of, of technologies like quantum computers, like quantum cryptography and quantum teleportation. They're very, sort of they're very clever quantum sensors. That rely on these strange ideas in quantum mechanics of two particles being separated and yet entangled with each other, so that one, the fate of one dis, um, affects the other, and so on. Uh, and so, I think this is an area that is rapidly developing. More funding should go into it, but I guess uh, you know it'll be driven by once a science has a an application in the marketplace then you capitalism know, comes capitalism in capitalism kick, kicks takes in, over kicks yeah exactly ex- exactly
0: did i see that um quantum
1: computers had managed to do two plus two equals four yes amazing isn't it so they've confirmed <laughs> that i mean ibm and google uh and, and the big the, the big guys are making impressive progress in 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 quantum we're we are still away yet from having a a desktop quantum computer but you know um they are starting to get you know incrementally more and more good at what quantum computers do, and what computer, quantum computers they're not going to replace our everyday computers or supercomputers there'll but there'll be certain tasks that they can do much much more quickly than the most powerful computers have we have. Have today. you got any
0: idea what they
1: would be useful for well um things like. Um, sifting through lists, sifting through data, um, uh, solving prob- certain problems in 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 mathematics. I mean, but people would argue that uh, a quantum computer will be able to decipher encrypted codes. You know, out what the public key access. The reason why it's safe to put your credit card details online um, essentially relies on. The fact that multiplying two large numbers together is much easier than breaking up their answer into the two numbers that you had to myself, so the prime factors of, of large numbers. Quantum computers will be able to crack that much more quickly than Oh, uh, fantastic. So
0: quantum computers can brute force their way into my email account.
1: Yeah, but but luckily, in line with that, we will also be developing new techniques of encryption using quantum mechanics as well. It's an arms race. So, so it's an arms race between quantum encryption and quantum, you know, um, um, key, key cracking, code cracking. Um, but, uh, yeah, I think there are lots of, in, in science, there, the, there's the hope that quantum computers can help us understand certain structures in physics and chemistry, for example. You know, down at the quantum atomic scale, the world it behaves quantum mechanically, and we to understand it, we try to we create simulations, uh, models on our computers. Well, it's far better to create a quantum simulation of a quantum process using a quantum computer than not a not really a quantum simulation using a non-quantum computer so you know lots of chemists and nuclear physicists and, and condensed matter physicists would be very keen to use quantum computers to study matter down at the quantum scale
0: do you think that the mission to mars to try and live and set up a base on mars is a good use of time and resources
1: <sighs> that's a difficult one i think um, i think there's still a lot more mileage in sending non-human missions to to mars and the other planets you know our uh, development of robotics and ai which is another fantastically exciting area science technology is developing so quickly that i don't think i mean very soon it's going to be very hard to justify sending humans to mars uh the added expense if if i worked in that area i'd be arguing passionately that you need humans on the ground to be digging but dispassionately standing away from it, I could imagine many, you know, we could fund many more projects to Mars and the moons of Saturn and Jupiter uh, the, w- without human intervention than far fewer projects where we're sending people to those planets. So it'll come. I mean, it's not, you know, we're not going to be stuck on Earth forever, provided we don't wipe ourselves out and we solve climate change and we don't start a nuclear war with Russia and all that business. There will come a day when, of course, we're going to be, you know, populating the solar system and beyond. But at the moment, I think there's more mileage in terms of the limited scientific uh, research funding that we have to send unmanned spacecraft out to the solar, solar system.
0: That's an interesting way to look at it. Uh, if we dance through the minefield that is existential risk appropriately and we miss artificial misaligned artificial general intelligence and we evade engineered pandemics and so on and so forth. Um, one of the problems is that you kind of have another arms race going on, a, a literal race between the amount of X risk that you are prepared to deal with, uh, at home on earth and the number of other options that we have outside of that. Right. And slowing down the speed of technology production, the, um, urn of potential black balls that Nick Bostrom talks about each time that you create a technology. It could be white, good, could be gray, kind of good, kind of bad, or it could be black, which is totally terrifying and and can kill us all. Um, That means that there is a degree of urgency um, because we can't take a God's eye perspective and just slow down, which would be my, if we had the option, Mm -hmm. I would say, look, let's just slow technology down by a hundred times and let's go super incremental with everything that we do because if you take us a, a very 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 long civilizational uh, time frame with this you think well what's the rush the mm. only rush for us to get somewhere else is to counter the risk that we're creating because we can't have um global coordination around the development of technology it's like look, i want i want every single line of computer code to be tested for whether or not it's malicious step by step by step yeah
1: yeah in, in in an ideal world of course i mean i think it's that sort of happened in things like in in areas like genetics you know where scientists in most countries not everywhere have you know taken out sort of a moratorium on 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 gene editing germline editing and so on you know the, uh, where it, in in ideally the, it could be a, a wonderfully powerful tool where you could go in and and snip away mutations and 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 uh, you know combat um, genetic diseases. Um, but of course, in the wrong hands, it can lead to all sorts of horrific scenarios. Um, so yeah, I think so a lot of scientists are saying, hang on a minute, step back. Let's think about this. Let's examine the ethical and moral implications of what we're doing. But it's not; it won't happen everywhere, and and it's not happening in other areas. You know, the uh, artificial intelligence is is another example. We're not slowing down the 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 pace of development in robotics and automation and machine learning, and so on. It's happening and coming at us very quickly. We're not, you know, it's not like Terminator, Terminator, and Skynet are just around the corner, but we don't seem to be able or the powers that be have no appetite for slowing down that technology so the best we can do is get talking about it get that conversation going and and try and keep the ethical and moral debates about what we should and shouldn't do in in the same race yeah with with the technology if we can't slow the technology down we' better speed up our conversations,
0: yeah, I like that the uh I wonder whether or not the intention is going to be to air gap Mars from Earth, but that seems like a complete waste as well. You go, look like what are we what are we going to Mars for? Are we going to Mars because we want to have a, a second cradle of humanity in which we are protected from any of the potential concerns. And But mm. then if one of those and one of the big forerunners, you know, it's whatever, one in six chance over the next hundred years that AI is going to destroy civilization based on Nick uh, Toby Ord's book. If that's the case, if that's one of the real, real reasons that we're going, then you you need to be air-gapped from the Earth. You need to be able to have nothing be mm. sent to Mars. No signals, no communication. No, not, and you go, well, okay, well... We're also there to do research, to be able to improve our quality of life here on Earth. So you you can't have both. So what we may need to do, it, it, there's going to have to be a trade-off made here. Look, what do you want? Mm. Do you want to be able to go to another planet and use it for research and for sending back information and for scientific testing and stuff like that? Or do you want it as the ejector seat emergency mm. Mm. backup system for civilization? Because I, I don't think yeah. that you can do both.
1: We're 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 not looking that far ahead to see Mars as that ejector seat, the the escape route. If things go to pot here on Earth, we are sort of making the taking the calculated risk that we will resolve and solve the problems here on Earth, and that we are not going to design a virus that's going to kill everyone. We're not going to mutually nuclear destroy the world um we're not going to be hit by um a, a meteorite um, and i think it's it's you know climate people say well you're going to go to mars because you know we're destroying uh, the earth's climate well however bad climate change affects our planet it's still many orders of magnitude more preferable than the environment on mars you know we not we're when we're, we're, we're not talking about terraforming mars at the moment we're not talking about seeding it giving it its atmosphere back again and so on so you know it's still a long way from being a place where any more than just you know a handful of researchers who are well trained go over there to do research it's not somewhere where we can go and, and live it's so far in the future that you know we're not prepared to put in that sort of we we didn't even put money into sort of pandemic preparedness even despite so many people saying pandemic a pandemic could come at any moment guys and yeah 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 you know and sure
0: enough it did and no one's um, got any ppe or, or hand exactly, sanitizer or exactly. toilet roll a couple of yeah. weeks in and, yeah
1: and that and that was a real you know a, a, a real possibility so so i mean think with with mars and and using that escape it's so far in the future that people just aren't it's not on the horizon at the moment
0: yeah you're right i would way sooner take a hot earth over a um cold mars you know indeed uh, yeah. <laughs> so you, one of one of the best quotes that you've got in your new book is that you won't reach a clearer understanding of what's going on by valuing opinion over evidence. One of the problems that we have is when there's so many conflicting claims about what the evidence is and what it says, that's very difficult to work out. And I also think <clears throat> another element of this is, which has been facilitated by the cult of personality slash social media, is increasingly we... we we follow people, not ideas. Now, mm-hmm. so um, Elon Musk, eighty million Twitter followers, like uh, SpaceX, four million Twitter followers, Cristiano Ronaldo, forty million Instagram followers, Real Madrid, eight million. Right, we we follow people, mm-hmm. we don't follow things, right, or ideas. Yeah. Um, and when you're not going to value opinion over evidence, and there's way too much conflict around what that evidence is or what the opinions are and then because we have this sort of natural seduction for people all of that mixed together i think it just creates a very difficult landscape for people to do sense making in
1: yeah again i mean this is in in a sense i mean apart from the, the size of the problem it's not a new one you know we've always had Prophets and 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 uh, Cassandra uh, Cassandra's yes, we've had you know the, 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 the Those who will lead those who will be listened to those who have the the the, the you know, the, the the Strength of personality that is going to attract followers um, it's just that the internet and social media has allowed anyone to, to to try their luck at this and and of course there's going to be those who for whatever reason you know whether because they're multi-billionaires or because they're, um, they're great at sport or simply because they got lucky and and for, for whatever reason you know you look at some of the the influences on on instagram i think what is it what where's your talent where you know how come people are listening to you and there is doesn't seem to it just it has happened um i don't think we've yet come to terms with how to deal with how social media in particular has amplified what are problems that have always existed in humanity. The same with things like conspiracy theories and the same with um, things like ideological, you know, in the past, you know, generation or two ago, you got your views from a newspaper that you read. Uh, and that, and and because it aligned with your political opinions for example and and that was fine and and we all had we all lived in our confirmation bias echo chambers uh, it was fine the internet and the social media haven't created a new problem they've just amplified a problem that is part of human nature and we haven't yet figured out you know maybe that we we restrict the voices to those that we as a society decide know what they're talking about um but we haven't figured out the right way of doing that 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 people can agree on that seems to be fair
0: yeah well i was thinking as you were talking earlier about a new type of verification system you know you've got your blue ticks but maybe mm. maybe a a grey tick or a a yellow tick means that this person has reached a particular level of a number of citations on their work yeah within yeah. their specific field or whatever, because it, it is becoming increasingly effortful. And there is there is no solution to this, to just cut through the noise and find a little bit of signal. Uh, and what you get after a while, and I see this in myself, I, I just kind of check out of discussions. Uh, yeah. uh, sort of apathy sets in. So I go, well, I, yeah. I, I don't know. If I can't work out what's right and, or what's wrong, and if any time that I try to find it out, I'm told that I'm a... a, a coxervative or a shill or a you know a, mm-hmm. whatever word you want sheeple grifter you go mm-hmm. well, I, whatever like in yeah. that case i'm not going to engage and and yeah. that's even worse you know people simply not engaging because it's either too effortful or daunting for them to go ahead and do it
1: yeah i mean but but if you know it's not going to lead to anything if you know neither there's not going to be any compromise I and mean, at least when you're you know, in in a bar with friends or whatever, you know you, you when you're face to face and you you probably you know you you're you're not going you're going to see them again. you know, your paths are going to cross in the in the future, you tend to reach some sort of a compromise very often. you know it might things might get into a chat too much. But on social media, because every everyone is invisible from from everyone else and and it's so instantaneous, and you don't have to think about what you, uh, and and you know, you can put a really good argument against something but what comes back is you know they've ignored that and and they've they've taken a different direction but just a strident uh, so it is soul destroying and 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 <laughs> a, a, a bit of I I tend not to there are there are certain debates that I won't get into at all i mean you know the, the transgender debate the absolutely polarizing society m- mainly a generational issue but but no one's allowed to say trans rights are important but i can understand why some women feel uncomfortable to say that the, the the you know one side will say you're transphobic the other side will say you know you're 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 anti-feminist or mis- misogynist and so there's no nuance in in many debates on social media and so you're right you know it's not just if you are arguing from one side and not realizing not getting anywhere with the opposing view it's also if you, if you realize that actually this issue is more complicated than either side would admit because they've narrowed it down to memes and tweets uh, and no one wants to listen to nuance, then you also pull yourself away and say, well, okay, as, there's no point. I, if, if I'm in the middle, both sides are going to attack me, so I might as well say nothing.
0: Yeah, being out on the extremes uh, guarantees you agreement from at least one. But yeah. being in the middle guarantees disagreement from both. From both, exactly.
1: And 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 most issues are more complicated than we'd like like to think. Uh, and as we as we discussed earlier, the experts, the people who know about the uh, about this particular issue, know about the subtleties, know about the nuance, uh, and therefore inevitably will find themselves somewhere in the middle ground. Not, I'm I'm not saying in the middle. You know, if you're if it's an argument between, you know a nasty person and a nice person, someone who's tolerant with someone who's a bigot, then then clearly the in-between, the right place to be, is very much closer to the tolerant person, right? But nevertheless, you know, those are the people, the people who know are the, will 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 inevitably ste- step away from these debates.
0: Jim Al-Khalili, ladies and gentlemen, if people want
1: to check out your stuff online, where should they go? I have a website, jimalkhalili.com, without the hyphen, um oh actually no it does have the hyphen <laughs> to tell people the wrong address um where i you know you can find out about my books my I mean, i'm still an active researcher working at the university of surrey in england and uh, you know teaching students but i also do a lot of science communication so some of the stuff you can find on my website jim
0: i appreciate you thanks for the day
1: my pleasure chris thank you
0: Thank you very much for tuning in. I really hope that you enjoyed learning about even more weird space stuff and theoretical physics. If you did, make sure that you have hit the subscribe button. The top right corner on Apple Podcasts is a little plus or follow on Spotify. And don't forget that you can receive a 15% discount on Upgraded Formulas Test Kit at UpgradedFormulas.com and use the code mw 15 At checkout, you can get a 15% discount on Crafted London's jewellery at bit.ly slash cdwisdom, the code MW15 at checkout. And you can get an 83% discount, three months free, and a 30-day money-back guarantee by going to surfshark.deals slash modernwisdom. I'll see you next time.